Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Most people view business as a zero-sum game. If I'm giving you money, I'm losing money. I take money out of my pocket and give it to you. In reality, business is like a candle. Right? You have fire. You don't lose anything when you give your fire to other people. And I want to tell you, I told that once to a, uh, to a big investor in a, in a very, very large investment firm. And he said to me, you know what? That's spot on. But you know what else? If you don't give your fire to other people, you'll end up burning out yourself. And mm. I love that because it's all about giving, right? Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 83. This episode is sponsored by the Impactful Business Leadership Mastermind. The mastermind brings together hungry entrepreneurs and business owners who want to scale their business, get their toughest problems solved, learn best practices, and build their networks. Learn more at impactfulcoaching.com forward slash BLM. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Hillel Fold. Hillel, named Israel's top marketer, is a tech journalist, startup marketer, and technology expert. Hillel works with technology companies and accompanies them from idea to revenue. He also works with leading tech brands as an influencer, including Google, Oracle, Huawei, and many more. Hillel was recently named the seventh most influential tech blogger on the internet and is among the top 100 most influential social media personalities across the globe. Hillel speaks publicly on various topics, including marketing, entrepreneurship, Israeli tech, and his personal story and business philosophy. Hillel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. And I got to say, uh, I, your check is in the mail because of that nice intro. But oh. um, I have to say one thing, and that is Go that ahead. when I started working with Huawei, the uh, phone manufacturer, they, they brought me to Shanghai. And when I, when I pronounced the name of the company, I said, like you said, Huawei or something like that. They're like, it's called uh. Huawei. So I, oh, I just want to correct you. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. I had no Huawei. idea when I saw that. I'm like, I really should have asked him in advance how to pronounce that thing. Okay, by the way, good. by the way, put, putting aside the whole trade war between America and China, they were the number one phone manufacturer in the world. They passed Samsung. They passed, passed Apple. So it's a fun, remarkable really? company. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I got to get to know them better. And actually, the the last segment of your intro is where I would love to start. Because I know you talk about your personal story. Obviously, that's what I think attracts so many people to you and to your message. And, and I'm just curious to know, you know, I, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, when I imagine, you know, those conversations in kindergarten and first grade, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we say police officer, teacher, you know, something like that. I doubt very few people, if any, especially when we were growing up, not sure your age, but I'm sure we're, we're sort of in that same age bracket, were saying tech vlogger and blogger. Uh, and everything else you're doing today. So, so how did you get from wherever you were to where you are? Tell us the story behind it. And I would love to learn more about your journey. Absolutely. So first of all, I'm 43. Uh, just turned 43 last uh, weekend, actually. Um, thank you, sir. So I'm from New York originally, moved to Israel when I was 15, in the middle of high school, which is not a, an ideal age to move from New York to Jerusalem. But uh, that's that aside, I can tell you now, 28 years later, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But uh, mm. anyway, I was I was a born geek, right? Uh, today, everyone's a geek. Everyone loves to be a geek. Geek is cool. Back when I was a geek, I was just a geek. And uh, I loved I loved tech. I always loved tech. I, I remember where I was standing, literally where I was standing when I turned on a computer for the first time. 
and it blew my mind. And I said to myself, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but I got to work in this field. And uh, then I moved to Israel. And as you may or may not know, Israel is a dominant player. And that's an understatement in the tech sector across all verticals. And um, I started blogging. I was at my first job. I was a technical writer. I was writing user guides that no one ever reads. And I was bored out of my mind. And so I started blogging. I didn't call it a blog because that wasn't a word back then. Speaking of what you want to do when you grow up, the things that I do today weren't in existence when I started. So um, I started writing about tech just because I loved it. And uh, pretty quickly, entrepreneurs started to reach out to me. You know, they said, I read your article. I'd love to meet you. And from day one, I had massive imposter syndrome because here I am, some random dude writing on a keyboard. And these amazing CEOs are asking to meet me. But I played along. So I met them and tried to help as best as I can with their pitch or with introductions or whatever it may be. And um, it ended up leading to a whole portfolio of companies that I work with on, on growth. So all things social wow. media and content marketing, business development, fundraising, all this stuff. Um, and that's kind of my first hat, let's say, startups. Second hat is the content. So I produce a ridiculous amount of content, uh, written, audio, video across all platforms. Um, I write as a columnist for almost every leading tech publication, TechCrunch, The Next Web, Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, Entrepreneur Magazine, a whole bunch of others. Um, and so that's kind of my second hat, the, the content. The um, the third, uh, the third hat is that um, I work with multinationals. So I have an official formal relationship with Google and Oracle and Huawei and a couple others. And uh, finally, I do a lot of public speaking. So yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I'm basically a kid in a candy store every day. I meet the most amazing people. And uh, I'll just keep playing along until everyone realizes that I'm full of crap. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, I think that, um, first of all, uh, it's, it's an honor to have you here with everything you have going on. But I, I want to drill down specifically uh, Hillel, on one thing you mentioned, because as a coach and as an organizational consultant, you talk about imposter syndrome. Uh, I heard a little bit, in a sense, of Gary V when you're talking about kind of putting a lot of content out there, getting recognized, not necessarily having that as your objective, but people sort of coming to it, liking what you're writing. And then you have this you know, moment where you're saying, am I really worthy of this? And, and you kind of said, you're just going to push through it. Uh, talk a little bit more, please, specifically about that, because imposter syndrome is a really big deal for a lot of folks, and I feel it too, right? Do I really have the goods? Do I really have the wherewithal to put myself out there as an expert, as a leader? Um, how, how, do you, how do you advise people or just for yourself uh, to get through those moments when you have all that self-doubt? Right. So I, I just uh, heard a story a couple of weeks ago about a man who was standing at a party and he was standing next to another individual. And the other individual said to him, you know, look around us. There's all these important people here. What the heck am I doing here? And he said, you know, I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what I'm, why was he, I was even invited to this party. And the guy looks at him and he says, you're Neil Armstrong. You're the first mm-hmm. man to walk on the moon. He mm-hmm. said, if Neil Armstrong has imposter syndrome, then I think all of us will have imposter syndrome. And so it's the truth. I mean, I, uh, like I said, I love tech. I have a deep passion for technology and I just followed that passion. I've never, you know, built a billion dollar company. I've never, you know, I mean, I'm having a good time. And so the fact that I'm able to kind of support my family and, and build a business around my passion is just incredible. And the truth is, you know, don't tell anyone, but even if I wasn't being paid for my work, I'd probably do it anyway. Um, so I love it. You know, yeah. yeah it's, I've written it's about just, that idea. Where you, where you kind of follow your passion, but you really have to have this deep connection to what you do. So, so Hillel, talk us through, I mean, technology changes so rapidly. I don't need to tell you this, but from when you got started to where we are today, you know, for, for my listeners that have different ages, of course, represented in listenership and Lead to Sixty Nation has had different experiences and whatnot. But I think all of us have to be reminded you know, here every now and again of where we've gone to, because we take our current reality for granted. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it reminds me of what I think is the funniest video on the internet. Um, Louis C.K. has a video called Everything's Amazing and Nobody's Happy, right? And he, <laughs> says, in, he says, in my day, we had a rotary phone. Do you understand how primitive a rotary phone is? You're making sparks. And he goes, we used to hate people with zeros in their numbers and you have to turn more. Yes. <laughs> and he goes, today we have these cell phones and we're like, oh, it won't. Oh. And he's like, it's going to space. Would you give it a second to come back from space? You know, and he talks all about, you know, the, plane, the, the experience of flying, right? He goes, people, the, people come back from a flight and they're like, they talk about it like it's their worst nightmare. He goes, they made us sit there on the runway. He goes, oh, really? What happened next? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? Like, we just don't appreciate what we have. And the truth is, you know, technology is moving so fast. It is just, it's impossible to follow, literally. Um, you know, I, I often talk about drones just because it's a, it's a it's a perfect example to illustrate how far we've come technologically. You're talking about a device that fits in the palm of your hand and can fly miles, record in 4K video with incredible stability and about 20 to 30 sensors around the drone. I'm talking like, you know, this is just, it's sci-fi and anybody could just go into a store and buy this thing, right? So that's just one example, but I think technology just moves so fast. I mean, obviously we take our mobile phones for, for granted, but I, I think you and I probably both remember when everyone was saying, what do I need a phone for? I don't want to be, I don't want to be accessible all the time. And yeah. even if I was convinced that I wanted a phone, a camera on a phone, what do I need that for? I mean, just think it was just yesterday, you know, and the iPhone just came out yesterday. We were all using our Nokia's and our Blackberries just yesterday. So right. you know, this world is just moving incredibly fast and I'm having a fun time along with the, along for the ride. Yeah, no, it, it really is moving fast. And it's so interesting because I run these mastermind groups and everybody le uh, writes, you know, professional goals as well as personal goals. And I was looking at the goals from one of my groups we just met last night and more than one individual talked about <clears throat> how when he gets home, he's going to power off his phone. He's going to have an hour of no, no distraction, no disruption, spend time with family, whatever it is. And so, you know, we do live in a very distracted world. And we do have to be able to obviously find the right balance. But you talked also about appreciation. And uh, I, I'd like to get your take on how do we, in fact, become more appreciative? Because at the end of the day, you know, we're having a conversation. You're obviously in technology. So you would think that this is going to be a, quote, geeky conversation about all the tech. And there, there's an element of that. There's no question. But we always have to remember, because this is a leadership podcast, because I'm always interested in the human side of things, we're people first right? We're tech users second, but we're people first. So at the end of the day, Hillel, how do you sort of develop and foster your own form of appreciation? And how do you help set boundaries for people who are just have these unrealistic expectations? They want everything to just be so fast, so perfect, so everything, and kind of ground them in what, what really should be the proper framework. So that's, that's a fantastic question. And the truth is, it's not always easy for me or most people, but I, I've started a, a custom, a daily custom recently, where I literally publish a gratitude list every single day. Uh, I do publish. It on my pl platforms. Yeah, every single day on Facebook, mm -hmm. Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Um, and, you know, there's, it's, it just helps me get a little perspective, right? I mean, you know, yes, we complain that, you know, our cell phone isn't moving fast enough, but we opened their eyes this morning right? Um, we have a cell phone. We have internet. Like, do you understand? Speaking of Gary Vee, he always talks about like the chances of us being born, like the, the things that had to have happened for right. us to even be here, you know? And it's true. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to Gary Vee because, you know, many people think of him as this, this celebrity, but they don't know the, the human side of him. And many years ago, I had a summit in New York um, and I asked him to come keynote and he only charges a handsome speaker's fee, but I told him it's early stage startups and we, we, can't, we don't have that kind of budget. And he waived the fee and he came and he keynoted for free. Wow. So he's he's actually a big mensch, Gary. Good. Um, 
but yeah, I think uh, it's all about perspective. I mean, I don't want to get too preachy on you here, but you know, there's a uh, there's a, there's a prayer that us observant Jews say uh, that in the prayer there's there's word there's four words. Uh, well, I guess it's six words. In the sky above and the ground beneath. In Hebrew, it's bashamayim ma'av al-arz mitachat. You say the sky above and the ground beneath. And so I once heard someone say something that I think is incredibly profound, and I literally think about it every single day. He said, why does it have to say the sky above? We know the sky's above. He could have just said the sky and on the ground. Why does it have to say the sky above and the ground beneath? So he said, because things that are in the sky, important things, spirituality, relationships, things that are important, always look above and strive to be better. Things that are on the ground, you know, health, wealth, not to say they're not important, but always look beneath. You stub your toe and it hurts. Just thank God it's not cancer. It could always be worse. Mm. And that's just for me, an amazing perspective on life, you know? And so, yes, I'm not saying we all have hardships. Trust me. I've had my fair share of hardships in my, in my life. We all have. Um, but first of all, just again, perspective, but also it's, it's, it's important to know, especially in today's day and age with this pandemic, that everyone's struggling. You're not alone. Everyone's struggling. There's no such thing as a person that struggles. There is no such thing. And, you know, you know, when you're, when you're, when you have less money, you think if I, if I had more money, I'd be, I'd be happy. And then when you have a lot of money, you think if I had less money, everything would be simpler. Grass is always greener. And at the end of the day, if you're not going to stop, and as Ferris Bueller said, you know, stop and look around and whatever the, the, the quote is, just smell the flowers and look around. You're never going to do that. You're, if you're waiting for something to happen, it's never going to come. Just yep. stop, breathe and appreciate what you have. Love it. So I want to talk about one, one minor detail in the bigger picture. You talked about publishing on a daily basis, putting your, your gratitude out there. You know, it's interesting. I did, a, I did a, um, a, a, a poll recently on LinkedIn and I asked folks, why is it that you don't post more? And some people just said they like to be private and I totally get it. You know, we don't, not, every, not everybody wants to put themselves out there. I personally am introverted. I'm not necessarily energized, you know, by putting myself out there. At the same time, I find that when I do publish, however publish is defined, whether it's on the internet or whether it's in a mastermind group or wherever I share this, there's that level of accountability. And for me as a coach, it's awareness and accountability. Without that accountability piece, we don't take action. So I'm curious to know what motivated you to put it out there publicly and what do you find it does both for yourself as well as for those that follow you? Yeah, so, I mean, the truth is I, just, I started it um, during COVID because again, I was struggling, we were all struggling. And so I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta take a step back and breathe and, and appreciate what I have. So I started doing it honestly to be, to be kind of fully transparent. I did it for me, it was therapeutic. Um, but I also love writing and let's be honest. I also love the fact that I have a platform that I can inspire other people. And so sure. I've gotten, I kid you not, I've gotten, I'm going to say hundreds, probably more, but I'm going to say hundreds of messages from people saying they can't start their morning without reading my gratitude list and that it gives mm. them perspective and it gives them. And so, you know, that, that keeps me going. I get, you know, the feedback today, I just came back from TikTok's offices and uh, I'm getting out of the elevator and somebody walks over and he goes, I love your LinkedIn content, which by the way, side note, I don't know what's going on with LinkedIn's algorithm, but my LinkedIn is just blowing up. People come over me on the streets, not about Twitter, not about Facebook, not about LinkedIn. So something's going on over there, but um, you know, I happen to love the platform. But you know, when I get when I get people like that, because you know, you know how many people follow you, right? But you don't sure. put a face to that number, right? Yep. You don't put a face, you don't. And so even if you know the person's name, it's not the same. When someone comes over on the street and says, listen, your posts really inspire me, Yep. It just, you know, it just pushes you forward and incentivizes you to continue. Which is why I think it's so great for people to get out more because, you know, like if you're, again, I mentioned introverted before, some people work from home or they're, they're just kind of like insulated in what they do. 
now that we have live events again, you know, I think it's a huge piece for people just to make that connection, that personal touch. Hey, I see your stuff. I love what you're doing. You know, this is my name. This is what I'm up to. What are you up to? And, and to really make those connections because we sometimes we kind of bury ourselves in our work and we just want to get things done. But at the end of the day, people are going to buy from people that they know, like, and trust. People are going to want to connect with people who have a message that resonates with them. And nobody's going to know about it if we keep it to ourselves. So I know even in my own family, there are those who look at me and they say, why are you posting all that stuff? And it's a little bit too, you know, uh, personal or whatever. And I try to walk the right balance there. Um, but at the same time, I feel like if I don't present that authentic side of who I am, you know, people will only see another coach with, you know, more message about productivity and time management, which is great, but who is the person? Because I ultimately it's the person as John Maxwell talks about first you get behind the leader, then you get behind the message, which is, I right. th- which I think is really cool. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, for me, it's about owning the narrative, right? Because the more visibility you get on the internet, um, I don't know how to say this diplomatically, the more haters they're going to be. Right. Sure. So if you don't own your if you don't own your narrative, someone else will. Um, and so it's important, you know, I tell companies and entrepreneurs all the time, make sure you buy your own domain, your name.com, right? Because God forbid someone can go buy it and put who knows what on it and ruin your entire brand. Right. Um, and so you have to own the narrative, right? Now, how much to share, how much to, you know, how little to share, introvert, extrovert. By the way, I read a book recently that every basically every every business leader ever was an introvert. It's just fascinating. It's but, a lot. Um, yeah. Many more than yeah. I would have thought. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And so, yeah, so, you know, so you stay with decide. that for a second, Hillel. Let's talk about owning your narrative a little bit. It wasn't one of the questions I planned to ask you, but because I thought you're really dealing more with the text, the text stuff, let's call it, which I want to come back to in a second. But ultimately it is about putting yourself out in the market, what your services, what your products do and who you are as a company. People want to know your why, right? They want to know your purpose of existence, your differentiators, all of that. So you must, it sounds like you do, um, advise people on the marketing, branding, you know, elements of their businesses. What would you say are the key pieces companies, leaders need to be thinking about as it relates to their narrative, their story, and how people come to see them? Online and yeah, great know, in person, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, just to kind of um, sharpen and I guess um, crystallize what I do. So yeah, I, I am a tech guy, but I work with tech companies on marketing. So it's it's that intersection between tech and marketing. Perfect. My blog actually, techandmarketing.com. Um, that's, I bought that domain back in the day. Anyway, so um, yeah, I think that uh, some of the things that I find entrepreneurs lack or are less strong at is the research element, right? Because, you know, it's, it's less exciting. Let's just be honest. It's less sexy. It's less fun. And so, you know, a, a, a company that's going to, you know, launch a product that doing any competitive analysis is just ridiculous. That's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, we already know sure. that the numbers are, you know, not working in your favor. If 95% of startups fail, if you're not going to do competitive analysis, the chances of you failing are probably 99%. At least. So, you know, that's right. So that's that's one aspect that I tell entrepreneurs first and foremost know your market. And I mean, when I say know your market, I don't mean, you know, do research to convince yourself you're the only person doing what you're doing. No, build a landscape of 50 companies that are in your space. And in your space does not mean they're doing what you're doing. It means they're targeting the same audience as you. They have the same value proposition as you. It doesn't matter. Know your, know your market like the back of your hand. That's first of all. Another thing that I find very, very important um, and something that I believe in strongly is consistency, right? Because again, we have no, you know, with this fast paced world, we have no attention span. No one's going to sit around waiting. And if they come to your blog or your podcast or your vlog or whatever it is, and they consume great content, they're going to come back the next day. And if there's nothing there, you lost them. But if there's something there the next day, and there's something there the next day, you got them. And so from a user experience perspective, consistency is important. 
But it's also important from Google's perspective. And I don't want to get too technical here, but Google wants you to produce as much good content as possible because sure. when you produce a lot of content, people talk about you and people talk about you, they link to you. And that's how Google knows you exist in this world. So consistency is mega important. Google, as well as I would imagine all social media uh, outlets and, and, and platforms, right? Yeah. They're looking for consistent content as well, which is great. So let's go back to what it is that you do all the time. And uh, I'm just curious to know as you, not only you're looking in the in, in, in the weeds, so to speak, the trees, but you also try to see the forest, I'm sure, and see where the landscape is heading. So I'm, I'm, I'd love to get, you know, one crazy kind of like out of the box prediction from your side of things about the direction of tech and what we might see in the not too distant future. Well, if we'd be having this conversation about six months ago, what I'm about to say would have would have been pretty outrageous, but a lot has happened in the last six months. So now it's a little less outrageous, but it's still a little futuristic and sci-fi to imagine. And that is that the way we interact with our computers, right? You know, the fact that we're using a mouse is to, in 2021, it's just, it's, it's laughable. It's ridiculous, right? That's, that's just ridiculous. But then there's also the mobile phone. We talk about this mobile phone, like it's a supercomputer in our pockets and it's, a, it's true, but it's also super primitive. If you think about it, you're walking on the streets with a slab of glass in your face. Like there's gotta be a better way. And so every single tech company without exception, Samsung, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, they're all building glasses to enable us to interact with our devices without a, another device, rather, whether it's a, a hologram from our glasses, AR glasses, whatever it may be. Um, and as you know, Mark Zuckerberg announced the metaverse a couple of weeks ago, which is basically an entire world instead of you know offline, it's virtual, but everything that we know from our world in a virtual environment. And so it's a little bit less far-fetched than it was about six months ago. Uh, but still, I think the way we're, we're interacting with our devices is going to fundamentally change over the next five to 10 years. Interesting. Okay, so uh, let's go back to leadership, if I may, for a minute, because obviously you're talking to many, many successful tech companies. So what would you say are the, the, the qualities that rise to the top? When, you, when you're meeting great people, great leaders, what would you say are the two to three qualities that you see time and again? That's question number one. And question number two, sort of a subset, is, is there anything specific within the tech industry from a leadership standpoint that you say, this is a quality that, you know, you, you could kind of like look at and say, this person is going to succeed if they've got this. So I'm, I'm just sort of curious to know how it manifests specifically within the tech world. So what's interesting is that if you speak to any top tier venture capitalist or anybody investing in technology, who knows what they're doing, right? Sophisticated investors, they all say one thing. They all have one thing in common and they all say we invest in people. Meaning, yes, of course, a product's important. Of course, a mission's important, but at the end of the day, it's people. At the end of the day, it's execution. And you know, you could look at any tech company to, to just prove that point. I mean, Apple wasn't first, Facebook wasn't first, Google wasn't first. They just out-executed everyone else, right? You know, before Facebook was MySpace, before Apple was Nokia and Blackberry, before Google was, you know, AltaVista and Yahoo, right? They just out-executed everyone. So at the end of the day, it came down to the people. You know, just now I read a, a news piece that a, a pretty well-known, um, you know, personality in Silicon Valley um, started a new, I don't even know what to call it, a new investment uh, philosophy, let's call it. He invested a million and a half dollars, if I'm not mistaken, in a YouTube creator so that in in in, um, in exchange, she gives him 30% of her returns over the next, or maybe 10% of her returns over the next 30 years. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but he's literally investing in a person, meaning she doesn't have a product. He's investing in the person. So that's something that I find you know to be uh, something in common with all the top tier um, investors in tech. They invested people. Uh, as far as qualities that I see, you know, the winners, um, there's a lot of them. First of all, humility. 
humility. Like, you know, I, I've over the years, I've had certain kind of um, characteristics or criterion that I was looking for when I would decide whether to work with someone. It was a good product, a person smarter than myself, and a good person. I've pretty much gotten rid of the first two. You know, I could get behind most products. I could learn from anyone, but I need good people, right? And so humility, like relax, okay? You know, you're just an entrepreneur. That's first of all. Um, I would say perseverance because the entrepreneurial journey is, you know, anyone who, who paints it as a hockey stick, because that's kind of like a cliche in the tech world, the hockey stick, it's not a hockey stick. Whoever tells you a startup's a hockey stick is just a liar. It's, it's a roller coaster, right? And there is no entrepreneur on planet earth that doesn't face struggles when building a company. It just doesn't exist. So perseverance, um, the ability to fail and get up again, that's incredibly important. Uh, and when I say humility also, by the way, it's important to mention, like humility means that if you, for whatever reason, realize what you're doing is actually not a feasible business because you have too much comp competition or because whatever it may be, you know, you have to have the humility to either pivot or start again, you know, go back to the drawing board. Uh, so those are two things that are incredibly important. Um, I, you know, I think this is just my personal philosophy. I, I don't know that I've seen this anywhere else, but I fundamentally believe that to be successful in business in general, and most things in life, actually, you have to be a giver, right? You can't just take. And, and to be clear, you know, business, and this is very relevant to your audience, because most people view business as a zero-sum game. If I'm giving you money, I'm losing money. I take money out of my pocket and give it to you. In reality, business is like a candle, right? You have fire. You don't lose anything when you give your fire to other people. And I want to tell you, I told that once to a, uh, to a big investor in a, in a very, very large investment firm. And he said to me, you know what? That's spot on. But you know what else? If you don't give your fire to other people, you'll end up burning out yourself. And mm -hmm. I love that because it's all about giving, right? And, you know, again, it's not a zero sum game. If I'm introducing a startup to an investor and that investor that then invests millions of dollars, the investor gains, the startup gains. And what did it cost me? An email? Why would I not do that? In fact, why would I take 5% of a company's pocket because I sent an email? I'm not judging anyone that makes money that way or finds your fees, whatever. It's not my model, but it actually, in my humble opinion, it's bad business. Like your, your relationship should not be monetized. You, if you're connecting two people, you know, connect them. The money will come, I promise you. And you know, that's not like a, if, we, if you build it, they will come cliche. It's true. If you help others win, you end up winning, period, full stop. I love it. So I, I, I wish I could kind of, end the segment right here because that was like just awesome. But I have one question within what you said and then one final question for the segment. You talked about the certain companies out executing others and you said in, consistently in different areas. Is there anything in particular that you can say that the ones that won, how did they out execute? Was there anything particular, whether it was strategy, you talked about people earlier, obviously. What was it that allowed, because I think everybody here would love to out execute you know, their competition, they'd love to be the next great, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. Anything in particular you could talk to about that? Yeah. So first of all, I'll just give a disclaimer. And I'm not saying it's all about execution. There's so many elements here. It's timing, there's luck, there's your network, there's a million things that contribute to the success of a company. Uh, but if you'd ask me what the most important element is, no question that it's execution. Uh, if I had to name a specific kind of component to that execution, I would say user first. Meaning, you know, I'll just give a very obvious example. The olden days before the iPhone, you know, you had, let's say, the Nokia N95, which was, I remember when I bought it, it was like mind-blowing in terms of how advanced it was, but it was the worst user experience ever. The worst, right? What was iPhone's brilliance? It wasn't that it had better processing abilities or a better camera. The first iPhone was garbage, right? But what did it do? It simplified. 
And, and, you know, Da Vinci famously said, and Steve Jobs famously stole it from him, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It's not a problem to stuff in all the features into your app. The real wisdom is to simplify, right? And so, you know, to me, that's what it's about. You look at, again, look at Google. That's a perfect example. What, what is Google? It's a search. It's literally one little search bar. That's all it is, right? So that's what they did. They simplified the search process. And, you know, so I think it's, it's really, it really comes down to thinking of what the user needs, thinking about the, what the user wants, what will be the best experience for the user, not what will drive me the most money, not what, you know, what will be able to stuff all the features in. What does the user want? The user wants simplicity. The user wants a product that will do what it needs them to do, not, you know, 50 other things that they'll never do. They want it to do what it's supposed to do. And so good technology, and again, I think Jobs, Steve Jobs famously said this also, good technology disappears. Meaning, again, before the iPhone, I had a keyboard on my BlackBerry. In reality, I'm typing on my phone maybe 20% of the time. Why is my keyboard there? I don't want it there. So on the iPhone, they say, all right, let's get rid of the keyboard. When you're not typing, no more keyboard. Good, good technology is there when you need it, and it's gone when you don't. Simplicity. So that's, to me, I guess the, the most fundamental principle when it comes to execution is simplify as much as you possibly can. Nice. Okay, so the last question for this segment, which I ask everyone, and the reason I ask it is because at the end of the day, a lot of the people, in fact, everybody that I get onto this podcast are super successful in what they do. And so oftentimes, whether it's the media or just our own perception of people, you know, we think that people come successful as ready-made products. You know, they kind of have just, they have it, whatever the it factor might be. And as a result, I cannot learn from them. I cannot sort of follow their path. It's just not applicable to me. So Hillel, I want to know from you, what would you say was your biggest failure? Because we all have them. And so many people talk about how failure really is the spur. It's the motivation. It's the drive that takes us to that next level. What was your biggest failure and how did you overcome it? Well, how do I choose one? <laughs> so many. <laughs> you only get um, one. I mean, listen, I had two startups of my own. Both failed. Um, and why did they fail? They failed because the timing was wrong. That's what I said. There's a million elements, a million components to the success of the company. Both companies were products that now exist, but we were before them, but the market wasn't ready. So the first company I had was Slack before Slack, literally. And the second one was a podcasting app for my mobile phone, which is Clubhouse today. Um, but we were just too early. And so both companies failed. We raised capital from Microsoft. Everything was going great, but we failed. Um, I could say that the amount of lessons that I learned from that failure far, far exceeds the lessons I've learned from my successes, far mm. exceeds. Okay. So let's transition now to the rapid fire. And these, the answers are short and sweet, even if you'd love to elaborate. First one is your favorite technological device or service that you can get for under a hundred bucks. Uh, my God, under a hundred bucks. I don't even, I don't even, oh, wait, I have to answer. I don't even have anything like that. Um, We'll go to 160. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, under 100 bucks. Um, 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 my goodness. Uh, can I pass? I literally. I, 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 guess, I guess so. So, so take us to the next hey, level. Give me, a, give me, a, give me a second here. Hold on. I'm trying. There's got to be something that I own that's under 100 bucks. Um, 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 looking around my my tech closet here, all the things that I have here. Um, wow. Hard Maybe to say that drone. I stumped till I'll fold. <laughs> maybe maybe a mini drone. I don't own a drone that's that's under 100 bucks. I think there's one that's 150 bucks. But okay, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm that's the best I could come up with. Fair enough. Let's move on to the next one. What are you not very good at? I'm not very good at delegating. I'm very very bad at delegating. I need to. I mean, it's 
it's, you know, it's, it's preventing me from scaling my business. Um, now, in my defense, oh, I'm, it's a shot. I'm fast shooter. I'm not allowed to elaborate. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So we will, we'll, we'll have to, I guess, continue this one offline. And the last one is a productivity tip that, will help, that helps you to get more done. Oh, this is a good one. If you're an iPhone user, there's a, a feature called text replacement in your settings that can you can write a, three letters and it fills an entire paragraph. And on Android, it's called a personal dictionary. It, will, it literally saves you four hours a day. I'm not exaggerating. Wow. Okay. So Hillel, um, I mean, look, you've given us so much. Before I ask you for your final life lesson, please let everybody know and lead to succeed, lead to succeed nation, excuse me, uh, where they can find you. Uh, learn from you, get your uh, your insights, your wisdom, all that good stuff. Sure. So my website's hillofold.com, but I'm active on every single platform from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, you name it. Um, and I'm extremely responsive. That's basically because I'm obsessed with inbox zero. So anybody who uh, messages me gets a response immediately and then I can get out of my inbox. Um, so basically contact me anywhere, um, literally. And if you want to actually like have a conversation, just shoot me a, an email from the form on my website and I'll get back to you immediately. Cool. Okay. So the last one, and this is the one that I always look forward to because it's an opportunity for my guests to share a life lesson that they have learned with my audience that, that gets them going, keeps them going, and would inspire uh, all my listeners to, uh, to take that next step. Sure. I mean, we talked about perspective already, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that out. But um, we also talked about humility, so I'm going to leave that out. A life lesson... Um, is learn, learn from as many people as possible and establish and cultivate relationships as much as you possibly can. Even if you don't understand the immediate value in that relationship, I can tell you countless examples of people that asked me to meet. And I was like, I don't know. And I met them and I was a little bit depressed that I wasted an hour and it ended up leading to incredible opportunities. There is just endless potential in meeting people and building relationships and learning from others. So I would, and people ask me, what would I tell myself, you know, if I was starting my career, I'd say build more relationships. So I would literally allocate X amount of hours a, a week or even a day to just meeting with no agenda, just to learn from people. Awesome. And since I'm coming to Israel in a couple of weeks time, we definitely have to meet up, uh, hopefully if we can fit it in, but uh, either way, Hillel, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've been following you for a while. I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to talk and to, for you to share your wisdom on this podcast. And uh, look, you should only have continued success. Keep killing it. Keep inspiring people. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being on, uh, a guest on the podcast today. Right back at you. You're, you're a true professional and uh, definitely looking forward to grabbing a steak here in Tel Aviv. Oh, nice. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 